This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. We, we will get back into that conversation of what's happening in college conferences and what the Pac-12 may need to do to keep up with the Joneses with the news that Texas and Oklahoma... Sounds like they're all but gone to the to the SEC, and that's something that could become official. Their future departure uh, as as soon as as later this month or in the weeks to come. It is time for us to bring in Michael Bumpus now for Blue Forty Two. Here we go. This is Blue Forty Two. We're gonna go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G U corner, halfback, flat, onto ready. Right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue Forty Two. Happy Friday, Michael Bumpus. How are you now? Happy Friday, fellas. I am doing well. How about yourselves? Well, it's crazy. We got Texas and Oklahoma leaving the SEC. The Cleveland baseball team has been renamed the Guardians. And Paul's trying to tell me that Oklahoma State should be part of the Pac-12. Why not? Nuts. Why not? Oklahoma State part of the Pac-12. There's nothing Pacific about the uh, uh, Oklahoma State. There's what about Colorado? They got the Beavs colors. They what got the Beavs colors. No, Colorado is tight. Uh, somebody in the else mountains. brought that up. No, Colorado has a very clear West Coast tie in that yeah. all sorts of fools from California go to Boulder. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Red Rock, let's go. All right, question number one, Michael Bumpus. So the big news in the NFL over the last 24 hours I think has been a little bit overplayed, but the reactions have been strong enough where clearly it's resonating with players. Essentially, the NFL is trying to remind through some of its reporters that teams will have to forfeit if there is a COVID outbreak within their team and organization and will not get that week. I I do wonder if this means that they're all of a sudden going to say to themselves, yeah, we're not going to try to reschedule a game and put it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and maybe schedule some other games, move things around. Part of me is skeptical about that. But, Bump, what what do you think about this? Because from the player's perspective, all of a sudden it feels like the league is telling everybody, hey, you better get vaccinated. That's exactly what the league is doing. They're saying, look, we want a full season. We want to try to keep people as safe as possible, and this is the way we believe that – we can do that by getting guys vaccinated. Now, it's a free country. You do what you want to do. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't have to get vaccinated, but there are consequences that come to that. You have to live a certain life during the NFL season. We know there's a bunch of young guys out there who got a bunch of money to spend. The country's opening back up in a lot of places. They want to get out there. The part that is messed up to me, okay, the team who is responsible for the forfeit obviously gets that loss. The other team doesn't get to play, but guys don't get paid. What about the guys who are vaccinated who did exactly what the league wants them to do, but they don't get paid? In any other job, there's like sick leave. You get paid sick leave. Like, hook these guys up with something. The guys who are following your rules, who are being safe when it comes to how you see this thing, are being punished. And I just don't agree with that. They have to get some type of compensation. Now, I understand not a full check. You're not playing a full game. You're not going to get a $200,000 check. But give them something for that week because they had nothing to do with it. I understand what the NFL is doing. Each organization, um, businesses have their own rules with the Seahawks. I had to get vaccinated or I wasn't going to be able to do my job and be around the players. I made that decision. Other people didn't make made a different decision, and they're not working. I just think that guys who follow your rules – should be compensated something during that that off week. 
I think Paul's right here in that he said this is saber-rattling. That, yes, the NFL sent out this memo and said that, but nobody's going to miss a paycheck. I, I would be... I would be shocked if any game does not get played in the upcoming year. I, I, I would be really sorry. And I, Paul said that, and I think he's right. This is a way, though, to get some more cautious types or players who realize, geez, if I miss out on a paycheck, this would be bad for me, bad for my and, family. And my to actually my go teammates are going to be mad at me yeah. if I don't get the vaccine. And I'm one, they're trying to use peer pressure. Peer you can pressure. debate about like what... <laughs> How fair that actually really is, I, I don't I I personally don't have that big an issue with it. But I don't I don't think they're gonna end up not playing games. I think Paul's right about that. A lot of money lost if they don't play. Exactly. And, and money look, talks. Right. They'll they'll play them on Tuesday, they'll play them on Wednesday, and they did it this past year. And this past year, you know, the idea of the COVID outbreak being such that a game can't be played too. Do we buy that? I know that what, fourteen teams have reach the 85% vaccination threshold. I'm guessing that it's going to be a lot more difficult to have the same kind of outbreaks amongst a team that we saw at times last year. Not to say that it's not possible, but I would imagine right now that it's a lot less likely than it was, of course, before we had these vaccinations rolling out. There's there's also the question of would you treat a positive test for someone who has been vaccinated for COVID differently than you would treat a positive test for someone who's not been vaccinated in baseball, they do. Jake Fraley is on an automatic. If if as it's been reported, he was not vaccinated. He he's got to miss. He's quarantined for ten days. Like it's not a matter of hey, you test until you're negative. Which if you'd had the vaccine, you, you get that. So it can be less than that. Um. So yeah, that how the the logistics of it. The other thing that they haven't said is if they didn't play a game, the owners would miss their money too, right? Yep. Like the owners, the owners would still miss out on their money. I don't think the owners are missing out on their money. I don't. I don't think the owners are going to put themselves in that situation. Weird thing is, stadiums are going to be full capacity. Yeah. I mean, you're not not requiring everyone else to be vaccinated in the stadium. So why are you requiring everyone in the league to be? I mean, I get it, but it's it's two different sets of rules right now. Just be consistent across the board. If that's what you're going to do, NFL, be consistent across the board. Question two. All right, Bump. Jordan Brooks, second-year linebacker. He was listed as the number five entry. Number five entry by Seth Galina's second-year breakout candidates. He came up with 15 dudes that he thinks might make the leap from, from, from rookie to star. Joe Burrow is the top of the list. He's got Jordan Brooks number five. You, you think we could see Brooks make a quantum leap this year? I think we can. Because he's going to get way more snaps, right? He's going to be out there a lot more than he was last year. Last year, he had 57 tackles, two for loss, two passes defended. And the first thing I did was I just compared him to KJ. I'm like, all right, what did KJ do? How did KJ progress? KJ's first year, he had 60 tackles. Second year, he had 98. Um, third year, 80. Then he went for a streak over 100 tackles for the next four or five years. And then I look at their games. And I see Jordan Brooks as probably the more athletic linebacker when it comes to him or KJ. KJ's the better linebacker. He's got his wits about him. He's smart. He understands leverage. But just pure athleticism, I look at Jordan Brooks, and I say, okay, that guy has the tools to make it happen. He plays reckless right now. When you're young, you're reckless. You're going to throw your face in every tackle. You're going to set edge. It's just your game looks different. You look like you're going to roll the dice a bit more. And I think he has that in him. He's explosive. He's one of the fastest backers I've seen in a little bit on this on this team. So I think he can make the jump. Um, 
completely confident in what Jordan Brooks can do. Again, there are going to be times where he struggles. That's just the process of becoming an NFL pro. But there's nothing in his game that makes me think that he cannot be one of the top dogs on this team and maybe in a couple years in the league. One of the things that we've seen be very difficult adjustments for some young linebackers is being put into coverage situations. And we saw it last year to an extent with with Patrick Queen. We've seen it before, and I know that Pro Football Focus would make that argument with Jordan Brooks. I think Brooks is really raw in that coverage side of things, and I think that's good. Like, I feel like he can actually get a lot better. And I think that the skills that he has as far as being able to see little small spots that he can crash through in the offensive line, that is something that you can't teach everybody. And I I, thought, I saw that just in his tape at Texas Tech, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, wow, he's he when he sees a little spot that he can go north and south on, he explodes into it. So I, I feel like there's a lot of potential with Brooks. I think this was a really good pick, and I'm really excited, Bump, to see what he's going to be able to do this season. Shoot the gap, right? We hear yeah. that term in football. We, you think of Jordan Brooks, that dude knows how to shoot the gap. Man, his instincts. He's just a ball player. There's some guys you can just characterize as football players, right? They, you don't have to overcoach them. You don't have to tell them where their foot needs to be in this alignment and be perfect because they have other things that make up for that. I see some of that in Jordan Brooks. It's too early to see if he's going to be a great, but I think he has all the physicals to be a hitter and a starter and a good ball player. Question number three. This is somewhat Mariners related. I feel like the Mariners are too good for Rafael Montero to keep making appearances. <laughs> They've got to have better options. If Danny's going to say that this is a good baseball team, okay, you got to at a certain point say enough is enough with Rafael Montero. It, it was all soft contact last oh night, Paul. Oh, my God. You with Evan White and with Rafael Montero. I can't even. soft contact. You're the most. Soft contact. There's bleeders and bloops. You know what? You would be a great, a great, a great player's coach, but we, we need a little tough love here. And, and Bob. One of the things I find interesting about this situation with Montero, who keeps going out there, in football, this guy would be gone, right? I mean, it, 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 snip, snip, snip. We ain't seeing this guy again, and maybe he props up with another football team. But, yeah, th- he's gotten a lot of chances here. Oh, yeah, he's got a lot of chances. In football, man, you make too many mistakes in practice, you're out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? With with Freddie, no, excuse me, not Freddie. I was going to call him Freddie Montero, the old uh, Sounders guy. Well, my wife used to have a crush on him. I should change the channel every time the Sounders came out. <laughs> she was crushing on him. <laughs> but uh, Montero, man, he keeps getting opportunities. So what does that mean? If you keep putting a guy out there who continues to not get it done, you must like him personality-wise, and he must be trying to work on the things that you're telling him to work on or you spent so much or you gave so much on this guy, you're like, no, 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 you're getting out there. You are going to figure this out. What they give up, a couple of guys to, to get Montero. So they're, they're kind of force-feeding it right now. I hope he figures it out because I hate seeing athletes struggle, but at some point, you just got to let it go. I remember I remember when I was going to get cut with the Seahawks. I remember. I knew it. I'm like, I'm about to get cut. They brought in a couple receivers. I was just coming off an injury. They brought in a couple receivers who were good. They were my size, did the things that I did, and I made one mistake at practice. And the way my offensive coordinator just blew up on me, I'm like, dude, that's one mistake. I'm just getting back. And I saw what they had coming in. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to get cut, man. They, they've been lining this up for a couple weeks, waiting for me to get healthy. So the writing was on the wall. I wonder if the writing is on the wall for Montero at this point. He walks out there. I don't see any confidence. I don't think the team has any confidence in him. But 
from what you hear, he's a he's a favorite in the locker room. Guys like him. It's but it's it might be time to let him go. Might be time. The writing is on the wall. I have no idea what that would be like. I don't know what that would feel like at all. If things had changed in circumstances as where the writing was on the wall. Oh, maybe I do. It is Danny Gallant. Michael Bumpus is with us here for Blue 42. Bump, Paul made the point that the Pac-12 might not love itself enough. That, that was the question you asked. Does the Pac-12 love itself? Because if the SEC is about to, is about to bloom and add Texas and Oklahoma... Is that going to put some pressure? I said, I'm, I'm not interested. I don't want Midwest schools. I don't want Texas Tech. I don't want I don't want Oklahoma State. I definitely don't want Baylor. I absolutely don't want Baylor, and that's even independent. Like, Baylor's in a whole other class of schools. Boise State, I could see. Yeah. See San Boise. Diego State. Like, there are some that make some, some regional. But, Paul, you you asked the question, does the Pac-12 love itself? What do you mean? I, I meant, are you, say... I think we all do this from time to time. We look in the mirror. We check ourselves out. Hey, should I be working on something with the bod? What's going on here? Is the Pac-12 standing in front of the mirror looking at itself so confident in its standing that it feels like it doesn't need to bring anybody else in when the opportunity presents itself? And I think they're kidding themselves if they feel like they're too good right now. There is a bit of a – there's a tire around the belly. They're – is some hair growing in strange places, the ears. (laughs) So these are things that they have now as an opportunity. This is going to turn into essentially a poaching of life raft situation, much like we saw a couple of years ago when we saw the big shakeups with the Big East dying and then all those teams that were in the Big East clinging for life, like Syracuse going to the ACC and Rutgers, as, as we talked about before, going to the to the Big Ten and, and West Virginia going to the Big 12 eventually. Like these are, these are the things that happen, and you can act as if you're fine, but in reality, if you want to survive as a conference, you need to try to make it better. And I think that a program like Oklahoma State would make it better. And you got to act fast, too, because I bet big, the Big Ten's thinking to themselves, Oh well, we we need to match the SEC. We need to get to sixteen too. They're at fourteen right now. They're probably thinking to themselves, Oklahoma State makes the most sense. So I think if you're the Pac-12, that's the pro that's the program you want to get in. It makes sense on the competition level. Oklahoma State is a good program. They'd probably come into Pac-10 and compete for a championship right now. The Pac-12 is not what it used to be. It's not back in the day when USC was hot, when Cal was getting after it. Then you throw Oregon in there, who would be ranked top 10, UW doing their thing. We, we just don't have the star power that we used to have back in the day. And what, do, what does it come down to? It comes down to recruiting. So what, how, why is it so hard to get guys to come out to the Pac-12? What's happening down the SEC? Now, you go down to the SEC, you look at all their facilities and the fan base. I mean, it's, it's, it's ran like the NFL down there. There's something about the way the Pac-12 is ran that is not attracting these players. They need to do something, Paul. I'm with you. You can't just sit there and cross your fingers and hope that things are going to change as magically. No, you need to bring somebody in. But I also feel like they have to keep the integrity of the Pac-12, like the Pacific. Like, we still want to rep the West. We just don't want to start bringing guys in from the Midwest, the South, the East. Um, I'm, I'm against that. Just because I'm a West Coast dude, and they already talk so much stuff about the West, so I don't want no help from nobody. You know what I mean? I want to keep it out here. West but Side. Some, something in West Side all day, 23rd level. Uh, <laughs> you got to bring somebody in, though. You, gotta, you have to do something. I agree with you, Bump, about the West Coast. That is this conference's identity. 
I also recognize what you're saying, Paul, because I love Pac-12. Football, I love Pac-12 basketball, but I'm not telling you that like it's better than it's been or it's fine. It's, it's not. It's not as competitive at, at, at a national level. I don't think the fix... I don't think the fix is going in and going and finding the most attractive school or best school you can, regardless of geography. And and I think following that route is how you get – I don't think it makes and has made conferences better. I don't think it made the Big Ten better when they added Rutgers. Who else? Maryland is in there. I don't think it made them better when Nebraska joined them. And I don't know how it will work out in the SEC – I actually feel that Oklahoma and Texas kind of fit with with the type of the type of institutions and the type of football, and it's it's not the same region. It they makes fit. more sense to it, it makes more sense to me than it does Missouri being in the SEC. Though. Yes, and yeah. and I just I don't think the fit is Oklahoma State would be a really good member, and they'd contend for titles in both basketball and and football. It just it's not that's not what. The Pac-12 conference is, and it, and it shouldn't be. So if they're going to make additions, BYU, and I don't know how that That's Boise hard, State, though. you know, like, San Diego State, all of those things, those are those are conferences that fit more than going to the Midwest. I agree with you, but you got to convince those schools otherwise. And and while fit is something that I think we all would like to remain in college football because it is a semblance of tradition, the reality is it's gone. It's just gone. Period. It's not. It's not coming back. And you know, to convince but it us- hasn't solved anything. All of those. I, I agree. agree with you. So don't follow a bad formula. Like if if there's anything that's happened from the great conference shakeups of the past ten years, it's been that all of these convoluted, glued together conferences didn't solve anything. They made things in some ways worse. But does it help you to just stand pat? Like that's the problem. I don't think it does. And and that's. Unfortunate. I'm with you in that. It, you're right. It hasn't. It hasn't made anything better. It's just a. We just more need to of a start mess. cheating again, man. Like we just need to start cheating. When it was going well, Washington was giving out fruit baskets and going to three straight Rose Bowls. Reggie Bush's parents were living in San Diego. Like, let's just have a little looser restrictions. Let me tell you something. Everyone else is cheating. SEC is yes! cheating. The Big Ten. I. I. And I'm telling you this. I'm not ratting anybody out, but I know for a fact that those conferences are cheating. So you got to do what you got to do. And then we can't ignore, like, we're talking about the Pac-12 struggling in sports, but women's softball is still balling. Um, yes. As women's volleyball is still balling. We're, I mean, we're, we're being selfish and talking about football and basketball, which those are the, the, the but, revenue sports, but there are some women's sports that are still balling. But you're right. We, start cheating. We dominate Sears Cup, man. We dominate <laughs> Sears Cup. The Olympic sports, we are hell on wheels there. But that's not what it's about. You know, it's about it's about the revenue sports, unfortunately. I mean, look, for me, I went to Syracuse, and everyone loves lacrosse there. It's a sport played by, like, what, like 20 or 30 schools? And yet, like, we take great pride in the fact that we're good at it. But no one cares, ultimately. You're raising your hand. I Make fun away. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to raise my because I've come up with the, the, the phrasing that is going to change. It's going to be controversial, and people aren't going to like Do it. Do it. Defund the amateurism police. Like, defund the NCAA. Like, that is the key, is to stop enforcement. Like, whatever band is on your campus that is in charge of enforcing all of the college rules about eligibility, we just need to stop enforcing. Like, we need to go back to cheating. This is, <laughs> is this not the start of it? Is this not the start of, the, I mean, this weakens the NCAA in a way in that this conference now, the SEC, is slowly building more power. 
And if a conference has that much power where all of a sudden the NCAA doesn't necessarily have control over it, other conferences are going to probably realize that it's not necessarily in their best interest to have the NCAA. Now, this might hurt some of those other programs that are in that in-tweener phase where you're not a Power 5 conference and stuff, but these Power 5 conferences are probably eventually going to conglomerate into some of their own entity. Maybe it's independently governed by all of their you know, uh, respective commissioners and stuff, but I, I, I think that this is... If you don't like the NCAA, this is good for that, This what we're seeing right now. I'm worried about the amount of money that SEC fans are going to have to throw around. And the, 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 oh, the yeah. steps, the steps toward – I think there might be a little more discretionary spending allocated, uh, allocated to college athlete sponsorship when it comes to that corner of the country compared to the West Coast. So maybe we, what we need is instead of Bezos going to the moon – he needs to start funding some slush funds. Like maybe instead <laughs> instead of instead of taking these selfish trips to outer space, we need to get into the national college I, football playoff. I don't know, man. He had that cowboy hat coming back. I think he wants to join the SEC too. <laughs> it's Danny and Galan. <laughs> Bezos. If Bezos gives money to the SEC, we're gonna have a serious problem. There's a question about how much money Amazon is even given to yeah, Seattle, out. and it's charity. Like if it's gonna spend, hey, you got some West Coast roots here, buddy. You got some West Coast roots. This or that. We'll try to get back on a little bit of a serious note and where we're not joking about cheating, even though I'm not really joking. This or that's coming up next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. This or that. This or that. Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. No, those aren't the questions. Somebody suggested here if Pac-12, Gonzaga would be a natural fit, except they don't play football. And I was like, heck yeah, bring them in. They'll probably win basketball, but they have to have their intramural flag football champions (laughs) suit up. (laughs) They have to build a champion off a field of football. That's the deal. You got a field of football team. I don't care who it is, but you got to get some dudes out there. I have eligibility left. (laughs) You're going to get wrecked. You might win in basketball, but you're going to pay the price in football. We're going to take it out of your hind parts. <laughs> Their baseball team is pretty good, too, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You get some opportunities in baseball as well, some great soccer programs. But in football, in football, we're going to take it out of your backsides. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how when Kinko Foray had Garfield, Franklin, or Roosevelt in there, like those city schools would just get smoked oh, in football. Woodenville, Juanita. Lake Washington, but come basketball time, oh, yeah. come basketball time, <laughs> all the other schools, Redmond's like, we can't get into the state tournament because of Garfield and Franklin, even Roosevelt tunes us up. Uh, it's time to get to this or that. More Dooley. Hello, guys. All right, we have- gotten a little bit silly here. <laughs> well- Good. Punchy Friday. Let's get it. This or that isn't our most serious segment either, so we'll see what happens here. (laughs) Um, Seahawks training camp kicks off next week. Uh, Guys arrive on Tuesday and practice starts Wednesday. Make your prediction now. Jamal Adams sighting or no Jamal Adams sighting next week? I don't think he's there. I I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there with with three weeks to go before the regular season, but I'm not... if you ask me right now, I don't think he's there. I don't think a deal's done. I don't think he's showing up without a deal. Does this mean next week at any yes. point next week? I'll give week? you the whole week, yeah. Just do. He doesn't even have to practice. Just do we see him at the facility at some point next week? He's going to be there. He's going to be there. I think he's going to be there. I think that they actually have something in the works. It does sound like that. And honestly, I think he's going to prove to the entire city of New York that is so still upset about him deciding to spurn the 
Mark Butt New York Jets that <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I, I'm living for that, but I think he's going to be there on time. I, I think he's going to be there, but I think he's going to be wearing a bucket hat and a towel around his neck, coaching okay. and not practicing. He, he's going to be Great walking point. around. He's going to show some support, but he's got to look, I'm going to protect myself until this deal is done. And honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with that given the injuries that he dealt with last year. That's a great point. I don't really care if he's if he's not there. I think Bump probably gave the best answer. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what's going to happen is that he's there, but he's not doing anything until the deal's done. And that relieves all drama, all tension, and perhaps continues contract negotiations going in good faith as opposed to turning into something messy. Well, Here's mo- what Carol mostly- said in OTAs, he might not be practicing for a little while even once that deal's signed. Right. And I'll say this: I want to raise that. I don't want to. I'm not going to freak out if he's not there next week. I, I mostly I just don't want anybody. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Because Brock Heward's going to be chief on that list of like, oh, what does this mean? It's going to be a standoff. It's going to get fixed before the regular season starts. There's no reason to worry yet, even if he's not there. All right, guys. Next up with the Seattle Kraken unveiling their sweaters at Wednesday night's expansion draft. Who has the best uniforms right now? The Kraken, the Mariners, or the Seahawks? Ooh, that's. I mean, if we're talking about the teals, then uh, well, <laughs> the Seattle Mariners are blowing everybody out of the water. No, the teals are. I don't. I think they get too much hate, but that's not. That's they're not beautiful. A good uniform. They're beautiful. Oh, they're beautiful. Um, but if I have to pick, I think it's the Kraken. And if I'm going to power rank them, Kraken, Mariners, Seahawks. And while the really? Seahawks look mm. now is better than it was during the days of Michael Bumpus, it Ugly. It is still. It is still not what it was in the days of Steve Largent, and that's when they looked their best. Yeah. The, you, Bump had the unfortunate blueberry uniforms. Oh, my god! Like, goodness. those were bad unis. Oh. And, they were, and they were Reebok. Yeah, they were Reebok. Oh, yeah, that was the Reebok era. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the best? Bump, you probably, you probably got the best fashion sense. Which one's the best uni? Here's the thing about the Kraken. It just doesn't – it looks like – it looks like an expansion team. Like, there's no – I, I like just the solid traditional type look. The colors kind of give me. I, I like it, but it, it just looks too futuristic to me. I gotta go with the Hawks all blue. When they're in that all blue, man, it just looks clean to me. It's solid. So I would go the Hawks. Then I go the Mariners all white, and then I gotta go with the Kraken. I like of all the Seahawks uniforms, the you best. Like the grays. No, the no, wolf no. gray. No, no, no. no. Wolf A- grays are good. Action green and blue pants. <laughs> oh no, that's my favorite. Three six zero says the Mariners Sunday jersey. I do like those. I I like that as well with the the cream. Yeah, it's yeah. dyed blue on top. Old school look. See, but it's cream in the middle. It's dyed blue on top. No, nobody Raekwon the chef. No, no, no good. <laughs> I like I like it. Daniel. I was definitely not going to get that because I'm hopelessly <laughs> challenged. Still discovering '90s music. <laughs> All right, next up, guys, are we, we found out this week that there's going to be an alternate Monday Night Football broadcast with Eli and Peyton Manning on ESPN2 featuring celebrity guests. Um, are you watching the regular Monday Night Football broadcast with Steve Levy, Louis Riddick, Brian Greasy, and Lisa Salters, or the alternate Manning Brothers programming? Alternate, because I think they're going to have other people that swing by, hopefully, and I heard this point brought up, hopefully it's not going to turn into something where it's... All of a sudden, random people from the Marvel Comics universe are stopping in with them, or Star Wars. And if that happens, that's going to be unfortunate. My hope is, though, Danny, that it will be other NFL players who will stop by with them and just talk football with them. 
Here's I have bit. no I, I have no interest in hearing the Mannings because I don't think they're going to be honest and critical. I think it's going mm. to be a sort of glad-handing, overly praising, and I think when they bring people in there, they are going to be tied to corporate promotions because everything that I've seen from the way that that family markets itself is how much money can you make from it. And it's going to be cheeky and kind of funny, but they're not nearly as funny as they think they are. Mm. I, I, I don't, I really, and I, I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to hear Eli Manning and Peyton Manning honestly critique what other quarterbacks and other players are doing. Same. I don't think, you, I don't think you're going to get any of that. That, and I'm with you. I think they're going to push these guys to try to be funny and entertaining. Well, really, I just want to hear your your thoughts on the play and the formation and because that's what made Peyton Manning great, right, is, is his football mind. I know he's a funny dude. I don't think Eli is anywhere near as funny as him. Peyton's going to have to carry him, I feel like, throughout this whole thing. So if they can talk football, I'll give him a look. But if it just becomes I'm just trying to laugh and giggle and, and have a good old time, Catch me on another day. I want to hear some football talk. Yeah, I want. I want to hear that. I want to hear the game that I'm being watched. And this is what it, people talk about: how Peyton Manning is very funny, and he yeah. has been exceptionally funny on Saturday Night Live. That's because of Saturday Night Live's writers. The writers, yeah. And 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 you're telling me he's going to do it once a week, right? I watch. You're, you're going to do it once a week for three hours. He not, he's not going to be funny. He's not funny enough to pull that off. I, there are comedians that aren't able to be funny enough to pull off three hours of new material each and every week. As long as he knows what he is, then that that's that could be a good thing. If a as long as he knows his limitations. Theater with that giant forehead. <laughs> if you said he knows who he is. I'll give him credit for this and I've actually watched some of those Peyton Places shows. They're now, funny. He, he's he's not great at like doing the improvisational jokes, but they they have been entertaining and he's done a good job with it. I think he can be a good storyteller of the NFL. But I do think that you need somebody else in there, and selfishly, and I hope that he's getting the help that he needs. But, I mean, you put Richard Sherman in with these two, and that is awesome. Because I feel like Richard Sherman would be the would be the grump that would be talking trash, and maybe they're the ones that are balancing things out with the glad handling. I think that would be a really interesting com- combination of those three. Anyway, probably not going to see it. All right, guys, a little breaking news with two of the bigger receivers in the NFL this morning. First up, Saints uh, wide receiver Michael Thomas is expected to miss the start of the 2021 season after undergoing surgery to repair the ligaments in his ankle. Um, It's a four-month recovery, so he will miss at least a few weeks probably to start the season. Then we find out from Ian Rappaport that the Packers and Devontae Adams have broken off long-term extension talks. There are no plans to resume them, and they are in a bad place. So we've got the Packers... Dealing with their star wide receiver and quarterback being disgruntled. And then we have the Saints with their star wide receiver who missed most of last year, now not starting the season, and they have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill at quarterback. Who is in the worst position right now? Mm. Packers, definitely. I mean, now you are, you're getting pantsed again if you're Brian Gutekunst. You have been pantsed by Aaron Rodgers, and now Adams isn't here either. And I imagine that there's got to be some correlation between the two of them not being there. So... Not just Adams wanting a new contract. I, I think it's that. Because I don't I guess I just don't take the Saints seriously anymore. It's gotta be the Packers. I mean, those two weapons are what makes your offense go. Devontae Adams had 18 touchdowns last year. Rogers said you one about his personality. He's one of the GOATs in the game. As far as the Saints go, I'm not expecting much out of Jameis Winston. I'm not expecting much out of uh what's the kid's name? I'm blanking on the back quarter name. Sorry. Uh Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Thank you more. Taysom Hill. And then 
how unfortunate is it for their receiver, man, Michael? He signs the biggest contract known to a receiver, and then he can't get healthy. It's crazy how that happens. You get money, you get hurt. But it's got to be the Packers, though. They got nothing without those two. In true Shaquille O'Neal fashion, Michael Thomas says, you get hurt on company time, you recover on company time. Not wrecking my offseason for surgery. (laughs) (laughs) It's Danny and Galat. Uh, we'll have a little bit more. We might have some some nickname conversation. We got to find out what Michael Bumpus thinks of Cleveland's baseball team's new nickname. I think we've all universally panned it. Uh, we'll hear what he has to say next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Michael Bumpus hanging out with us as well. Bump, you haven't had a chance to weigh in on the Newest team in the world of professional sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cleveland Guardians. What do you think? Sounds like a 1998 movie where they have a bunch of fake teams in, in a sport and you just throw the Guardians out there. It, first <laughs> like thing I thought about... the Washington Sentinels and the replacements. Like, I just thought about like, like the Avengers or you know something. I didn't think sports. And and just it's so different going from their old mascot or nickname to this nickname. I don't like it. I've seen the logo. It looks a bit corny to me. I think they could have went a different direction. I think I heard you guys talking about the spiders. Um, I would have appreciated that. But, um, yeah, don't like it. It's it's the combination of the, the nickname, which I think a good nickname should be somewhat fear-inspiring. Or representative of the hometown area, like it shouldn't. It shouldn't be a phenomenon, like the magic. It shouldn't be a weather pattern, like the heat. <laughs> the thunder. Like it should be. It should be something. But even the heat. I, I always wanted. Once the heat were there, I wanted them to name the baseball team the humidity, because then you could always say, ah, which is worse, the heat or the humidity? Oh, it's the humidity is not so bad. It's the heat that's really. Up. But <laughs> and anyway, the 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 fact. Your your nickname should say something about the region, or it should be something that is is formidable. Guardians is just like I just keep thinking of an uh, Under Armour commercial, like we will protect this house and its baseball. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you, had your, you had a blank canvas, and you chose the Guardians, and then picked the logo that looks like it belongs on the Anaheim Angels with these wings, and it's now it's bad. I don't even know if it belongs there. It, it looks AAA, and there's something about that. I hope that's not what they put on their hats because that looks like something that you would see. I don't know, like the Chattanooga Lookouts. Remember when this earlier this offseason? I had a Lookouts hat. Yeah, lookouts out with the big peepers, and I mean that—that's a cool logo, but it definitely looks a little bit more minor league. And there's always been something. I mean, Cleveland with that C unit logo that they have now after moving away from the logo that they had before, I think it's a good look. Yeah. The problem is now you're going to something which is this weird postmodern look, and you're not an expansion team. And you know, going back bump to something you were saying in the last segment, I can see how you look at the Seattle Kraken, and it looks—it's a little bit. So modern that you almost feel like this team is just void of history completely. Cleveland has a ton of history, and baseball is one of those sports where to go away from it after this and to have this as your logo going forward for maybe the next 100 years if baseball is around that long, it's a bizarre, I think, decision to make. Even the the Kraken, like there's some history behind why they're named the Kraken, right? It's a big old octopus that's floating around Puget Sound right now, ready to swallow up ships and boats. Be careful in the lakes, yeah. I mean, with with 
the Guardians, I'm like, I Cleveland Guardians, I just don't make the connection. That's the main part. You got to make a connection. But there are a lot of other franchises out there who don't have a connection to their 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 nickname or mascot, but it's just been around for so long we kind of overlook it. What's the worst mascot in pro sports? The big four. We'll, we'll limit it to the big four. Magic, I think, is up there. Jazz. Oh, the Jazz. Yeah, yeah nothing. I know Utah. they were in New Orleans. It made sense. Now you're in Utah. There's nothing about Utah that says Jazz. Well, if you're going to say that, then how about the Lakers? Lakers, yeah, it makes sense. But we're just the greatest franchise known oh, to man, yeah. so it gets overlooked. Yeah. You know, All, what I'm well, so most of those titles uh, took place in no, Minnesota. No, man, the Lakers what, five. The, Six, the Lakers yeah. are good enough Ten. that they made that fit in L.A. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the color scheme, the lake show, it be in L.A. Like that, the Lakers were good enough to make that work. The Lakers is a great nickname. What other, The Pelicans? The Pelicans have a tie to New Orleans, but yeah. that's a strange That's Pelicans a strange in the actual, if I'm not mistaken, the state flag of Louisiana. So I, I, I can kind of get behind that one. But Pelican? It's not cute and cuddly. Unless you had the, <laughs> it's a better bird than all those little tiny birds no, in baseball that can be incorrect. killed by house cats, like an in, Oriole or a Blue Jay or in, a Cardinal. Incorrect. All of those birds are very regal looking and and area appropriate. Until a cat eats them. There's nothing wrong with the the Orioles or the Cardinals. The Cardinals is a classic I could, logo. I could punt one of those birds and it would die instantly. <laughs> You should not be punting birds, and I don't think you could ever. You, you're not quick enough. I don't. I don't care how what fast your the, forty time is to be able to kick a bird. What about the Philadelphia Phillies? Like that's kind of lazy. It's it definitely lazy. lazy. Yeah, I. Yeah. I feel like when you criticize the Phillies, you're indirectly criticizing Garaz, though. Ooh. Oh, I don't want to re- do that because he resembles the Philly fanatic. You guys, what, <laughs> what? what about old school Wizards? Like, how does that make sense? Yeah, the that wizards. didn't. Well, <laughs> was, what's also, going on? Also, the whole thought process there was because they had to go from bullets, right? Yeah, there's too many Was- shootings going Washington, on. Washington, D.C. Yeah. was the murder capital. So they're like, we got to change it from bullets. <laughs> I'm like, what's something neutral and non wizards? And the first thing I think of when I hear that is a guy with a pointy hood. Exactly. Like, I, I know that I shouldn't, but that's the first thing I think of. Uh, I, I have one, uh, and I'm surprised it survived, honestly, because you would think that, you know, maybe cancel culture has probably always existed in some way. How did the Cincinnati Reds not get canceled for being communists mm. back in the day, right? <laughs> oh, it had to do with their uniforms, right? Yeah, commies, the Reds. Did they change their <laughs> USSR? Yeah, Paul. Paul, they got a mascot with a baseball for a head. It has nothing to do with political know. orthodoxy. By the way, there, there. So there's this T-shirt you can buy. There was a team nickname called I think it was the Decatur uh, Commies. I think they were a minor league baseball team, and the logo is essentially a smiling baseball, but with like a communist hat on. <laughs> it's something else. Um, really? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I've actually I might have to look that up. I, I think I might like to buy that. One. I think it's a. Ebbetsfield.com is, I think, where you could get it. It's, it's I, I've, I've thought about buying it myself. It's a hilarious one. I think that he, the Houston Texans is a is a lame nickname. Um, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree because there's other teams in in Texas. If they were the only one, it would make sense with the Texas Texans. That would be really redundant, but almost so on brand with Texas having lived there. But uh, it, part of me feeling that way is because I think it should be the Houston Oilers still, and I, I have a hard time getting past that one. Why isn't it? 
uh, because the Titans are uh, the worst. It's legitimately really. So the Titans wouldn't personal. give up the nickname that they're not it's using. Per, it's entirely personal. Yes, and uh, you know, I I saw this. I piece. miss the Oilers, man. The Oilers had awesome uniforms. Too. They do. The Oilers yeah. color scheme was fantastic. And, well, the Titans have been th- thinking about bringing it back, and uh, honestly, in the last couple of days, guys, there's something I've seen where the, the Indianapolis Colts are going to bring back these uniforms that they had when they were in Baltimore. And honestly, if Johnny Unitas was was still alive, he would lose his mind. Like he hated that the that the Colts had been associated with Indianapolis. He actually had a restaurant in Baltimore where you could pee on on the daddy, big daddy Ursay. Like he had them in the he had pictures of him in the urinal. <laughs> oh, Seriously, I'm not he, kidding about that. I thought I thought you were going to say he had big daddy Ursay tied up in the bathtub. No, no, no not quite. But I bet honestly. So so like there's this thing where these teams that move like they 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 hold the look and yeah Tennessee they will be able to go back to it. But I think it's bogus that they that they stole that Oilers look. Um. I, I, I will say the single worst mascot ever, and it's at the high school ranks, and this is non-racist division, so it, it is insensitive, but we're not taking into account any racist nicknames. Orfino, which is located in Idaho, and it was the location of the state sanitarium, which was sort of blithely referred to, or people would refer to as the, the asylum or the insane asylum, but it's the state mental health hospital. Uh, the, the the high school in town was nicknamed their 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 nickname was the Maniacs, <laughs> the and Maniacs. the mascot and the mascot wow. the original mascot the the one that I saw was was somebody in a straight jacket with like frazzled hair and like big goony looking eyes oh. that were and and then calmer heads prevailed but I always looked through because there's Yuma criminals and there's all these different ones but the the Orfino like whoever. Like, that seems like it was insensitive even for 1950s America. Like, nobody was like, hey, this is a bad idea and we should be, shouldn't be mocking mental health struggles. And they're like, no, heck yeah. We're the, yeah, put a straitjacket on him. Oh, yeah, make him look crazier. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That's like uh, my old school, the Bearcats. They're next to the prison. It's like calling them the prisoners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I get it's right there. It, it makes sense, but no, stay away from that. The approach could have been to just get some person from Maine wearing no t- no shirt and overalls with only one up because that's what some people in Maine look like. Maniacs. See, that would be a little bit better. <laughs> They're Word savages. Play. If you- Wordplay. <laughs> <laughs> that is Michael Bumpus, everybody. We love it when he stops by. Bump, this has been a fun hour. Uh, have a great weekend, man. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you guys. Before I get out of here, I want to say happy birthday to my second son, Kobe Ray Bumpus, turns nine years Ow! old today. My lefty, Kobe. my golfer, my baller. I love Kobe. you. Appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Fantastic. Kobe! Kobe! Michael Bumpus, everybody, joining us every Wednesday, Friday in the 8 o'clock hour. It's Danny and Galan on 710 ESPN Seattle. So... The Mariners are having some issues. Big day in sports. Lots of stuff to dissect. Conference realignment. Rafael Montero's existence. <laughs> and some big holdouts with wide receivers across the NFL, specifically Devontae Adams in Green Bay. All that on the table. Danny and Gallant continues after this.